Good morning. Greetings in the name of Christ. Good to be with you again on this beautiful, very cold Friday morning. Great to um, be with you on this day, but it's also astonishing that we're actually at the, the um, last full Friday of Bible school, isn't it? Just it's gone so fast. Two weeks, and we've got just a week ahead of us. So what I'd like to talk about this morning is growth and how that is related to something else that um, you know, we think of growth as a positive thing. How many of you all want to, are here to grow? Okay. How many of you are here to repent? Okay, got a few of you. Um, I'm going to make a statement here before I begin. Repentance is indistinguishable from growth. Okay, how many of you are here to grow? How many of you are here to repent? I'd like to try to convince you that the one, you have to have both before you can have, have growth. Okay, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. We all want to be changed, right? You want to grow? What happens when you grow? What happens when you change? What, what, did you leave? what happened to the old state? The state that you changed from? It got left behind, didn't it? We think about repentance as sort of a negative, a negative thing, um, and yet, if you, if you look at it and think about it, it's actually a very positive thing. We want to change, and yet we are unable to do this. So mankind has been trying to change themselves into the image of God for years and years and years, thousands of years, in fact. But the fact is that any time man attempts to change himself into the image of God without the power of God, it results in failure. And there'll be one of at least two conclusions. Maybe there are more conclusions, but I think of two things that happen. One is that people think that they have done this. They think that they have successfully turned themselves into the image of God, and, and instead what they have is egotistical blindness. So they are self-righteous and blind to the fact that they, in fact, are not. Everybody can see this but them. Or, maybe more common, is as we attempt to bring ourselves into the image of God, and we maybe, maybe we attempt to, to follow Scripture, and we, and we are unsuccessful in doing this, we fall into self-loathing and shame. We're unable unable to perfect ourselves, and unable to change ourselves. And part of the struggle that we face there is a struggle not with God, but with ourselves. Romans seven, eighteen, Paul says it like this, For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. And if that was true of Paul, it's certainly true of me. And... We all need our nature changed. The, the, our, our, our baseline, our nature, needs to change. I've got, uh, I've got a little lighter here. I hope you can see it. If I compress this lighter, gas comes out. Do you see the, do you see the gas? No, you do not. Um, if, I, if I keep on pressing it, it'll eventually just evaporate into the air. Um, if I were to you know, hold this up under my nose and do this, it could be harmful to my, my respiratory system. But it really serves no function. It's just there. 
That's a little bit the way our life is without, without Jesus. Um, there's nothing we can do to change that state. But when we first meet Jesus, we first come in contact with him, but like Paul on the road to Damascus, um, or it might, be, it might be in a different way, but in either way, no matter how we come to Jesus, there's a fundamental shift, a fundamental change in our nature. We, going, we go from being this gas um, that really has no power or function to something that has light. So the gas is still there, but it's fundamentally changed its nature because of a spark. And the spark of redemption changes it, changes us. We're no longer the same kind of people. And now it's something that's hot and burning, and it can be used for, um, it can be both useful or it can be destructive depending on, on how we use fire. But in the, in the case of the Spirit of God, it's something that is dangerous both to the world of, of uh, unflaming things, the things that are against God. It's also dangerous to ourselves because it burns away the parts of us that, that are against God as well. But either way, there's a fundamental shift, and we all need that fundamental shift. I know there's some farmers here and some people who are used to cows, um, and every farmer has a cow story, or two or three or a hundred. But uh, one of the stories that we have about in our family about cows is the story of my brother Matt and the mad cow. And um, every once in a while, you have a cow that's a little bit crazy. Um, but very seldom do you have a cow that's truly insane. But we had a cow that was truly insane. Um, it all started when, when she got a fever, and uh, it went, evidently went to her head. And this cow was, was, was just, it, she lost her mind. Whatever, whatever bovine mind she had was, was uh, lost. And uh, she was completely, if you'd see her out in the field, uh, you'd drive by on the road with a four-wheeler. Her ears would come up, and she would duck her head, and she would come tearing after you. And it was um, interesting, to say the least. Well, she caught my brother Matt out in the field one time. We couldn't get her in to, uh, to sell her, um, but she caught my brother Matt out in the field. He was, a little, he was too far away from the barn, too far away from the fence, and it was a cold day, sort of like this. And he had gone out there to feed hay. He and my dad had gone out there to feed hay, and he had a machete in his hand to chop the, the hay bales strings with. And he was out there. I think he actually maybe had been chopping uh, the water trough, the ice off the trough or something of that nature. Anyway, this cow caught him out there far from anywhere, and, and she charged him. And usually cows bluff charge. You know, this is, they don't actually charge you and hit you, especially if they're not trapped or not, um, you know, you're not trying to corral them or anything. You're just out in the field. They'll come rushing up to you, and then they'll stop and veer off to the side. And so Matt, he was, uh, you know, is she, is she, is she, is, is she or isn't she? What's going on? What's going on? And he was sort of running backward, uh, flapping this machete in front of him. But he didn't realize until the last second that this is not good. This is really going to happen. And about that time, he tripped over a clod on the ground and fell flat on his back. And this cow was coming at him so fast, she literally tripped over top of him. And, and he said he was lying on the ground on his back, and he sees this cow fly through the air over top of him and lands on his other side. And Dad saw it all happen, and he said all he could see was cow legs kicking and Matt in the middle of it all. 
somehow it managed, the cow backflipped over top of him, landed on the other side of him, and somehow avoided just crushing him to death, which you know, if it would have landed on him, it would have crushed him. Um, crazy cow. Just, um, we didn't want to shoot her. We wanted to sell her. So we eventually got her in. Um, she, she avoided the corral for, for months, but we eventually um, managed to, you know, she thought she, thought she was uh, all alone, but she actually had spies. And she was in the corral one day, and we came rushing in and slammed the gate on her, and she just went crazy. Tore around the corral, crashing into things, and thankfully it was high enough and strong enough that um, she couldn't get out. And then we backed the, backed the cattle trailer up against the gate, and we couldn't chase her in, because whenever you tried to chase her, she would just charge you. So we um, opened the side door of the cattle trailer and opened the back door of the cattle trailer, and we went in the cattle trailer and went, ah! And, and she just came tearing at the trailer like mad. And we turned and fled out the side door and slammed it shut. And boom, we got her. Made for an interesting sale at the sale barn, I'll tell you that. that that's also, also true. But anyway, mad cow, crazy cow. Um, definitely needed a nature change. That's, that's us without Jesus. We have, we're out of control. We don't know what's good for us. We, we just attack everything that moves and we're, we, we don't have a nature of Jesus at all, at all, at all. We're like, we're like the unlit lighter. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of destruction that can happen. And so there's a fundamental change that happens when Jesus enters our life, and we're no longer that way. But now what? I think we've got the idea too many times that, well, that was the repentance part. Jesus got a hold of me. I'm no longer a mad cow. And I'm, I'm different. I'm a different kind of a person. Um, the old me is, is no longer existent. And then we, we sort of want enough Jesus for ourselves, that he can change us, um, you know, to where, to where we're, you know, we're, we can look at that flame and we say, yeah, we're alive. We're alive. We're not like we were before. But that's not what Jesus says. That's not what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1, when he says, I protest by your rejoicing which I have in Jesus Christ, our Lord, I die daily. What's this die daily stuff? Jesus says, if any man is going to be my disciple, let him take up his cross daily. What does it mean to take up your cross? Well, the Jews knew exactly what he's talking about. Taking up your cross is a, is, a, is a death sentence. It's a sentence of death. And why should we have to do that daily? Shouldn't the lit fire have been enough? Here's another statement. I know it's a generality, but I believe it to be true. The answer for all of man's problems is repentance and turning to Jesus for the answer. The answer for whatever problem you face is repentance and turning to Jesus. So what is repentance? Repentance is to feel such sorrow for sin or the state that you're in that you're willing to change your life. To whom does this apply? Well, it applies to us, obviously, when we are in a, in a truly lost state. But how about when we want to level up? How about when we want to grow? Here's a, a definition that I've, that I've worked up for, for spiritual growth. How about this? Spiritual growth is the act or process of developing from being less like Jesus to being more like Jesus. And I know that's a, that's a sort of a sentiment that we have. That we, I would like to be more like Jesus. I would like to be more like Jesus. But it's hard for us, I think, to marry these two concepts. <clears throat> we all need repentance. 
Newton, Isaac Newton, um, stated the, in his uh, first law of motion, or it was also called the law of inertia, an object at rest tends to stay at rest, and an object in motion tends to stay in motion with the same speed and in the same direction unless acted upon by an unbalanced force. So an object at rest stays at rest. That's us without Jesus. We're just sitting there, bumps on a log, harmful to ourselves and everybody around us. And then Jesus comes and saves us. And, you know, um, when we, and he starts us moving in the right direction. Now, there's things that pull us down. But often we think, well, you know, I'm moving in the right direction. Things, things are happening. That's good enough. But what I, what I think happens, what needs to happen, is that Jesus is continuing to push on us with an unbalanced force. And when he does that, it veers us up, veers us up toward him. To this man will I look, to him that is a broken and a contrite spirit, and I tremble at my word. That's somebody who's seeking growth, seeking to change into the image of God. So we've got the initial contact with Christ, we've got the striving to enter in and turning toward Christ, and we've got this concept of taking up your cross and following Jesus. Luke nine twenty three, and he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? The reason I think that uh, repentance has a bad, has a, you know, all of you raise your hand because you want to grow, only two or three of you raise your hand that you want to repent. It's because we put, we, we've stigmatized it, which is really interesting. Why would we stigmatize something that Jesus said, if you want to follow me, this is the way you live? And we've got, um, you know, one, one of the, one of the uh, interesting things to me about Romania and the believers in Romania is that they're called pokaites which is the repentant ones, the people who repent. I wonder if that, if, if that could apply to us. Could we be called the ones who repent? I think we've got an image in our mind of people who repent. We think of, of the parable of uh, the Pharisee and the publican as people who are groveling, people who are, who are prostrated, people who are falling on their faces and sort of continually in the this, in this state of of um, being bowed over. I'd like to challenge that idea. I think people who are in the habit of repenting are people who are in the habit of leaving things behind that are holding them back and reaching for the things that are ahead. The cross of Christ destroys, yes, that's right, that's right. It, It kills the old nature. But what does it kill? It kills the parts of us that were killing us. That's what it does, and that's what repentance recognizes, is that you let those things go, and you become, and the flame, I have a little flame here. I can't adjust that flame, but if you had a torch here, and you had that initial, uh, like a cutting torch, and you had that initial ignition, what would you do? You'd adjust it, and the flame would get hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter until it's useful, until it's a, a fire that can cut steel. And that's what happens as we walk in repentance, is that the, the things that hold us back slough away, 
and we become more and more closely aligned with the image of God. So the, you're, 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 you want growth. The path to growth is the path of asking Jesus to show you things in your life that need to go and then, and then saying, yes, Lord, I'll do it. And when that happens, we grow. We've got um, the example uh, of, of Paul in Acts 9 when he was on the you know, Saul on the road to Damascus and he was, he was intent on going to harm the, the disciples in Damascus. And you know what happened to him? He's, a light struck him down from heaven and he was there. And then God came and talked to Ananias um, and told him that, hey, this, this man Saul, he's in Damascus and he's been praying. Go and and lay your hands on him because he's blind and, he, and, and I want you to t- give his sight back. And, and Ananias, uh, you've got to credit the man. He was, he was, in a lot of ways, for one, he, he sort of pushed back on God and he said, hey, I know this man. He's a man that, that has done a lot of damage already and he's here to do more. And Jesus said, or God said in verse 15, but the Lord said unto him, go thy way for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings of Israel for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Saul was, Saul had met Jesus but he was still an unformed instrument. And God tasked Ananias to go and, and help him start, start mending that flame. He's a chosen vessel unto me. You are chosen vessels unto God this morning. You're going back into your home communities and your home churches and your families and your friends and your youth groups and your classrooms and, and wherever it is. You're going back to those places and you are a chosen vessel for God in those places. But if you are going to be effective... It's going to be because you're willing to lay things behind and reach for things ahead. That you're willing to repent. Because if you don't repent of those imperfections, maybe it's not a complete lack of flame, but if you want to get, get stronger and get, get brighter and get hotter, you'll have to lay aside the things that are keeping you from doing those. And that's what happened with Saul. And as he, as he grew, there was a, there was, we, we think that he may have spent at least three years, or around three years, in, in the region of Arabia, maybe up, up around Syria or Lebanon, where um, he spent time with God and, 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 and um, increasing in strength. And it was a time where he, where he uh, learned the message of Jesus and changed Second Peter three seventeen. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. Objects in motion tend to stay in motion in the same direction unless they're acted upon. Well, they are acted upon. Here in here in uh, or here on earth, if I take a if I take a ball and I throw it, the law of motion should say that it should keep on going in the same direction and uh, forever unless something acts upon it. Well, it does. Uh, air air um, pressure and gravity act on it, and the ball will fall in an arc because of, of things, that ha- uh, things that are pressing down on it. Well, the same happens to us in our spiritual life. If we just go from the initial, the initial impulse and we don't do anything else about it, we'll drop. So it takes constant 
It takes constant uh, being in the word, constant prayer, constant contact with Jesus Christ and his people to continue to buoy us up and not just go in a straight line, but go up. Galatians 1 verse 6, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ, unto another gospel. These things pulling us down. In Acts 15, we have the story of the Jerusalem Convention that allowed Gentiles to come into the church without following the ceremonial law. And it was, and it, it was a time of change in the way people were thinking. And it was, uh, Peter stood up and he said, you know what, God has spoken to the Gentiles as well as to us. And, and the, the Pharisees that had, been, that had actually been converted had to actually repent of their posture toward them so that they could allow this to happen. And so that's a, that's a process. We all need to, all need to grow. <coughs> Excuse me. The things that are important to God need to be important to us. What if you were sitting here, um, just right now, okay, let's be quiet a little bit. What if you felt a tap on your shoulder? You turn around, and there was an older, grayer, probably pudgier version of you smiling back at you. Say, how are you, how are you doing? You say, who are you? Well, I'm you. I'm 20 years from you now, you. What do you think that person would say to you this morning about your life choices? Do you know you actually have a, right now, you have an influence on how that person will look? Whether that, how that person will look out of his eyes or her eyes back at you? And maybe that person would say, you're the reason I look like this. You're the reason that I've got the love of God in my heart and not shining out of my face. Or you're the reason why I've got a prism tattoo. The things that you do now, the trajectory that you set for yourself now matters. I don't know what's going to happen to you in your life. A lot of things, probably a lot of crazy things will happen to you. And you've got to set your goals high and aim at who you want to become. Aim at Jesus Christ. And allow him to shape you. And make sure that the goals that you set for yourself are goals that, that you share with Jesus. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations. And he shall separate them one from another. As a shepherd divideth a sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was in hunger, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in, naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee in hunger, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, or came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was in hunger, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. 
sick and in prison, and he visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee in hunger, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as he did it not to one of the least of these, he did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. I am confident that I know which side you want to be on. I just challenge you now. That's what Jesus says is important. Okay? We don't get to decide what's important. God decides what's important. Jesus says this, this kind of thing is important. How many of you would like to grow in this area? How many of us need to repent in this area? See what I'm saying? Repentance is indistinguishable from growth. Growth is indistinguishable from repentance. When God points at something in our lives, let's say, yes, God, I'll do it. I'm, I will be willing to change. That's how growth happens. And growth is an effort. Repentance is an effort. But it's worth the investment. I have a, a customer who, um, who is a vet. Actually, the, the wife is the vet, and the husband is, uh, is some, is, does other work. But, but she's a vet, and she's a good vet. And, um, and she was telling me this story about a farmer that she knew. <clears throat> and, and here's the story. Uh, the farmer, had raised, he raised feeder calves. And he had a whole bunch of them. He was proud as punch of them. There were about 40, about 40 uh, calves. And he, um, he, he did this for a living. He did this all the time. But, but these 40, he raised them up until they were just about ready to sell. And he had put months of work into them and, and lots of medicine and feed and so on. And he was just getting ready to ship them. And he ran out of feed with just two days to go. And so what does he do? Well, he doesn't want to get... He doesn't want to bring the, uh, have the bulk truck bring out feed for just two days. It'd be a short load, and it'd end up costing him more than, um, more than it normally would for, for, that, for, that, uh, for that feed. And so he was, eh. And he said, I've got some, some whole corn uh, that, that uh, I can use. So he had some whole corn. And so he said, well, I'll just feed that to them in just two days. Does anybody know what happens if you just cold turkey start giving calves um, whole corn. Well, he found out. Well, he fed him two days, shipped him, everything was fine, and at, they got off the rail car, got to the stockyard, and they all died because they had bloated. If, you, if, if a cow is not used to eating whole corn, then it'll actually it bloats them, and the, the methane gas inside them killed, killed all these calves. I think maybe two or three of them survived. After all that work, after all that expense, just because he was unwilling to take to do something was inconvenient, and should it really be necessary? That's a little bit the way it is with us. You know, we've done everything right, everything's going well, we've got a life that's alive in Christ, but you know, we really need to take another step. Eh, can we just take this little shortcut? It's funny because this hired man. Um, called him a couple days later. He was, all, he was so sad. Of course, it's terribly embarrassing as well as lost a lot of money. Um, but his hired man called from the field, and, um, and he said, hey, we've got a new calf. He said, um, do you want me to go ahead and just knock it on the head and kill it now, or do you want to wait later and kill it at the stockyard? 
Be willing to do what it takes to turn your life toward Christ. The investment is worth the effort. 1 Peter 2.9, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people. We'd like to stop there, right? That sounds great. We are special to God. And we are. He, he loves us. He loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. That is true. But then it says, That ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's our job. That's why we were created, is to bring glory to God. And when we are doing that, we will feel, we will sense the rightness of that, of that state before God. And it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. Which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. So you see this link, these people, these wonderful people, chosen generation, royal priesthood, holy nation, peculiar people. What are they doing? They're the people who are, who are abstaining from fleshly lusts. They are having their conversation honest among the Gentiles. Um, and they are the ones who are showing God's glory in their lives as they move forward with him. They're not static, but they're, they're, they're engaged and they're powerful. So once again, in closing, these two passages, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17, Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord changed by the same image from glory to glory. That's what we want, isn't it? To grow ever more into the image of Jesus Christ. And that's what he wants for us. And in Luke 9, 23, he said to them all, if any man will come after me, this is how we get it. Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself? Or be cast away. So, next time God taps you on the shoulder and says, here's something I'd like you to step up to. Remember, repentance is indistinguishable from growth. Growth from repentance. And let the things fall away that need to die daily. And step forward a little bit more into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Shall we stand for prayer? Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus this morning. We're so thankful for who you are. We're so thankful for what you've done in our lives. And Lord, I just pray a blessing on these young people and a blessing on this day. I pray that you would just help us, Lord, to go forward into victory and that you would shape us and mold us into your image and that we could truly be instruments in your hands. I pray for the ministry uh, that you will give, that you have given to each of these young people, Lord. And I pray that they would be able to fulfill that by your grace and for your glory in their lives. Just encourage them and, and help them to draw ever closer to you. And all of us, as we go through this day, help us to seek you with our whole heart. In the name of Jesus, I pray it. Amen. Dismissed.